transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. The desert I'm in tonight is the Mojave, the Mojave High Desert south of Barstow, north of the Salton Sea. The Spanish pronunciation Mojave and its various spellings means beside the water. Somewhere along the way, it came to mean the desert west of the Colorado River on either side of the mostly underground Mojave River, which begins in the snowmelt of the San Bernardino Mountains. Mojave is from the human words, Ahamakav, which is where the Yuma people have lived for almost a thousand years on the Colorado River, roughly between today's Fort Mojave and Yuma, and throughout the Colorado Delta and today's Mexico, atop the Gulf of California, the Sea of Cortez. Both Fort Mojave and Fort Yuma were built by the U.S. Army to stop raids against white travelers by the Mojave tribes, which rightly saw the incursion as an invasion. The Mojave sued for peace after losing a decades-long advantage, and today many thousands of Mojave and other human peoples live throughout the California and Arizona deserts. The names of places are rich with meaning. Even when a town or a county is just named after the real estate developer or some state legislator, over time the name becomes a crucial clue to the history of a place the scandals the disasters the rise and the fall now many places in the southwest retain their old names or at least are named after a tribe mojave and yuma are examples washoe tahoe taos Apache Junction, Navajo County, Winnemucca, Tucson to Tucumcari, Tehachapi to Tonopah. Many place names in the Southwest retain their Spanish names, the rivers and the mountains especially, Sierra Nevada, San Bernardino, Santa Fe. The dominant pronunciations have adapted to a long occupation by English speakers and slow reconquista by Spanish speakers because all things are in motion. It occurs to me that Santa Fe needs to be considered one of the locales under the spell of the Fayette Factor. Do you know about this? The Fayette Factor recognizes that U.S. towns named 
Fayette or Fayette or Lafayette or any other variation are haunted by weirdness. Frequent sightings of weird entities and apparitions, lots of UFO flaps, bizarre histories, 14 events like fish falling from the sky, spontaneous human combustion. The reason so many place names in the eastern time zone in the Mississippi and Ohio river valleys have Fayette or Fayette in their names is because of Lafayette. The French adventurer who became a central figure in the British colony's War of Independence, but it doesn't matter why a place has the sound Fay in its name. Because Fay is an old sound with an old resonance. Any modern witch knows that a spell is all about how you say it, how you intone it, how you sound it out. Like, um, Fay is a sound that both attracts and creates a specific kind of energy. La Fay can mean the faith or of the beech tree, the beech trees of the sacred grove, where the old magicians and judges did their sacred work for the community. Lafayette is the L in L. Ron Hubbard. It's one of the oldest European surnames, first written down in Norman England in the 11th century. But surely in use since the Romans brought Latin to Gaul, when Julius Caesar checked the rise of Celtic Europe nearly 21 centuries ago, when Phagos meant beech trees, a beech grove, the people of the beech trees, the druids who served as prophets, poets, and philosophers, as equals to the warlords became known as La Fay. Lafayette was born to this adventurous family and the reason so many places in the United States are named for him was mostly due to an incredible voyage he made back to America after the successful revolution that he supported with his talents and his money. It was 17 and 84 and Lafayette was only 27 years old, a hero around the world. He traveled to every state in the Young Confederation, not yet a union, and he addressed the Virginia House of Delegates regarding the immediate need to emancipate the slaves to achieve the liberty promised in the new country's founding document. There are more than 75 American cities and towns named for Lafayette, along with all kinds of counties and parks and squares, including Lafayette Square behind the White House, a square now completely walled off to the public by a great wall to protect the current occupant from the angry multitudes all around. And the theory, because Lafayette and its variations have a long association with strange and bizarre occurrences, 
is that the name itself carries some supernatural power. And if you think that's weird, well, what do you think's going on with the Lord's Prayer, Ten Hail Marys, the school fight song, benedictions, black magic? It's all words, spellcasting, chanting, enchantment. Now here's a place that has long made me wonder. The Estrella Mountains, an incredible slab of rock rising 2,600 feet over the desert valley below, the Valley of the Sun, the Salt River Valley, the Gila River Valley. Sierra Estrella, to quote Arizona writer Stephen M. Thomas, is a solid block of 1.6 billion year old stone that was formed deep in the earth when molten rock erupted upward into a layer of sediment. That was around the time the first cells with a nucleus came into being here on planet earth. Dinosaurs were still another billion plus years away. You know, sometimes I think junk DNA is just a schedule we haven't yet decoded. And here's why I make sure to pay my tithe to Wikipedia every year so I can quote something like this with mild impunity. Some non-coding DNA sequences must have important biological function. This is indicated by comparative genomic studies that report highly conserved regions of non-coding DNA, sometimes on timescales of hundreds of millions of years. This implies that these non-coding regions are under strong evolutionary pressure and positive selection. For example, in the genomes of humans and mice, which diverged from a common ancestor 65 to 75 million years ago, Protein-coding DNA sequences account for only about 20% of conserved DNA, with the remaining 80% of conserved DNA represented in non-coding regions. There's a plan of some kind in there, I believe, a kind of grand story arc. No guarantee it'll happen, but it's a plan at least loaded with contingencies, maybe. Trouble with the big land and water dinosaurs? Well, the flying dinosaurs can migrate. The Australian mountains are wild, a wild and harsh land that's nearly vertical in many places. Much of this mountain range is part of the 600 square mile Gila River Indian Nation, while some 14,000 acres our federal wilderness under the loose jurisdiction of the U.S. Bureau of Land Management. Like many mountain ranges, and like many mountains in Arizona especially, there are all kinds of weird legends and strange folklore associated with these ancient, wild places. There are lost gold mines, of course, going back to the earliest Spanish explorations of this part of the Sonoran Desert. Ghost stories, of course, occasional monsters, ghost deer, terrifying apparitions. But the most common oddity, the usual anomaly, has to do with the very name the Spanish gave these mountains. Estrella, the stars. 
I have a long but shallow history with these mountains. My grandpa, the one who left eastern Kentucky with black lung from the coal mines, worked for a long time at the Goodyear factory just below the northern wall of the Estrellas. Working in a coal mine makes you appreciate the safety and human rights of workers, so my old grandpa Joe became the union steward at Goodyear, which is now a suburb of Phoenix, miles of two-story stucco-tracked houses right on top of each other along Interstate 10. On the southern end of this jagged range is the Estrella Sailport for gliders, sailplanes, just beyond the Maricopa Reservation. My dad would take me along now and then for a glider flight up and down the Estrellas. Thermals rise up from the desert plains and then you get updrafts on both sides of the north-south mountain range. We would get a tow from a junky old Piper or Cessna, somebody flew out there on weekends. And then we'd cut loose and soar over Arizona for an hour or two, chasing thermals. The best way to find a thermal is to watch the buzzards. They find a thermal and they just circle it lazily, thousands of feet above the parched ground, barely moving a muscle. Because sailplanes are totally silent, the turkey vultures would hold their spot and kind of glare over at us as we circled behind them. Even better is the fact that Estrella Sailport is glider only, no powered air traffic beyond the towplane. It's a remarkably remote location considering it's just south of the sprawling Phoenix metropolis. Living in old Phoenix all those years ago, you always heard about South Mountain. Of course you knew Camelback Mountain, even a dummy could pick that one out. But that big long wall of rock to the southwest? Well maybe because it's wilderness, maybe because there's no real road up to the top like South Mountain where you could drive up with a six-pack and your buddies and look at the city lights or the Phoenix lights. Lots of people got to see that 1997 event from the South Mountain parking lot looking down on the things. And then, if you remember your Phoenix Lights lore, once thousands more people went outside on that pleasant March night after they'd heard about the big boomerang and triangle-shaped formations moving low and slow from Prescott to Peoria to the Phoenix Mountains Preserve, well, then the masses saw a great arc of brilliant orange orbs over the Estrella Mountains. Now, some people right away said, well, that's not too far from Luke Air Force Base. Must be an immense line of flares dropped from aircraft like none of us have ever quite seen before. And then some of the alien faithful, you know, the E.T. believers who've seen too many science fiction movies, they said in their usual way, well, that must be a disinformation effort by the Air Force to hide the true alien spaceship somehow. But people who live around that 30-mile-long mountain range already knew about what they call the Estrellites. Now, why would the Spanish name a mountain range the stars? 
today, you might be able to make a little sense out of it because from the Estrellas, you can better see the night sky. But there was no light pollution on the valley floor when the Spaniards chose this name. The native peoples of the Salt River and the Gila River Valleys lived without artificial light of any kind, as we all did, before electricity was tamed and brought into our homes in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The Pima and Maricopa tribes call the mountains Comatque, which means blue and hazy, like the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah, the origins of the Spanish name are obscured by time. Maybe the Spaniards were entranced by lights the indigenous peoples had long grown used to. The way Celtic peoples are matter-of-fact about the she, the fair folk who often appear in balls of light in nature. There was an article in the Arizona Republic a few years back, January 22 of 2015, and it was because Arizona had just been ranked number seven on the list of U.S. states with the most UFO reports. Arizona ranks number seven on a list of the top ten states with the most UFO sightings, according to the National UFO Reporting Center. The more than 3,000 sightings in Arizona date back to 1950, the latest of which occurred January 13, when an observer spotted orange lights south of Phoenix near the Estrella Mountains according to the UFO Reporting Center's website. A lot of people have been seeing orange lights near the Sierra Estrella for a long, long time. go through the UFO database and it's just a steady supply. In June 2004, Phoenix suffered a massive blackout. Everything shut down, including all three reactors at the Palo Verde nuclear power plant. When the lights went out for 65,000 households on June 21st, there was yet another grouping of large orange lights hovering over the Estrellas. The lights persisted nightly for a week. Or maybe people were just out in numbers looking for them again. As happens whenever these strange occurrences make the local news. There are so many UFO sightings around the Estrellas that Gila Bend, an ancient river community on the southwest side of the mountains, has the most UFO sightings of anywhere in the United States or Canada. Topping the list with 1,194 sightings per 100,000 people. And if you're thinking, well, Gila Bend barely has 2,000 people, welcome to the world of statistics. What it means is that a higher percentage of people in or passing through Gila Bend report strange things in the sky than in any other community or city in the United States or Canada. This is from New Fork, the National UFO Reporting Center in Washington State. 
Sedona's in the top ten, if you're wondering, in the tiny Sierra Nevada town of Sonora. And California comes right after Gila Bend. What's going on in those mountains? Now, these aren't total sightings. These are the people who took the trouble to find New Fork's phone number or website and then provided their report. Our friend Jason P. Woodbury, who grew up on the southeast side of the Estrellas, had his own experience with those brilliant circles of light and the sundown sky over the mountains called the stars. Now, Jason and his whole household had a range of experiences from seeing moon-sized lights move silently from horizon to horizon in seconds to a low-flying formation of lights pacing one of their cars on a lonesome back road. I was talking to Jason about this last night, trying to figure out if the sightings he and his friends experienced a decade or so back had the Estrellas as their backdrop. And it appears to be the case. We are going to do a lot more work on this subject in the months ahead. I've been meaning to for years. But I keep forgetting about it. I was looking at some videos that people had shot over the last couple of decades of the strange orbs dancing around the Estrellas. And the comments beneath were pretty interesting. There's one from 11 years ago. I saw them spinning around each other. I'm not crazy. But if you tell me those are flares, you insinuate that I am crazy. Unless you can give me something to support their rotation about a center axis. One from nine years ago. I used to live roughly ten miles from the base of the east side of the Estrellas. So I'd frequently see these lights coming home on Pecos Road. They flare up, flare out, and then reappear a few hundred yards away. I originally thought they were hikers or campers starting fires, but they flare up and out too fast for that, and over too great a distance to be covered by people or vehicles, especially at night. I've lived out here in Maricopa since last October, and these things appear maybe once or twice weekly. They are not flares, since they hover in the sky stationary, and they don't fall like flares would. They go out, and then a few minutes later, they turn back on. I don't know what the hell they are. Another from seven years ago, they head upwards, which I don't think flares can do. Plus, there are never smoke trails, and last week, I saw three other lights appear, and also going up almost at a 45-degree angle. 
When I say they go up, I mean they go down below the mountain line and then above it again. I try not to get caught up in the debate, whether they're real or not. I have seen strange lights over the Estrella Mountains. They were moving up and down behind the mountain range like a serpent. It really freaked me out. get back in the radio studio. This is Desert Oracle Radio, and I am your host, Ken Lane. The soundscapes that you've been listening to tonight are by Joshua Tree's own Red, Blue, Black, Silver. He's got CDs and all kinds of other stuff. Go look up Red, Blue, Black, Silver on the social media. Whatever you use, don't make me say the names of these things. From Amboy to Zizek's and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, you've been listening to Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting... From Joshua Tree on Friday nights from 10 to 11 p.m. 107.7 on your FM dial in the high desert. You can stream it anywhere off the website. You can listen to the podcast if you like to do that. I was trying to wrap up the new issue of Desert Oracle, and look at that. I had to evacuate because of thick wildfire smoke, which all came into the headquarters here at the Desert Oracle Institute, courtesy of the Swamp Cooler, our only form of cooling. So I had to get out of here. But we're almost done. Hey, listen, the Desert Oracle hardcover book from MCD Books is coming out, is done. You can pre-order it on Bookshop or whatever online bookstore you like to use. And it's going to ship to you in the first week of December. I'm pretty happy with this collection. We'll speak with you again next week, same night, same time. Thank you for listening, and good night from the Voice of the Desert. <laughs>